What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in this video, I'm going to be talking about some important deep waiver stashes that I think maybe you guys should be looking to pick up or potentially just keeping an eye on over the next few weeks. Cause I think some of these players can end up being startable down the stretch and will be players that I think are relevant, you know, kind of in the second half of the fantasy football season. So this is going to be a little bit different from my waiver wire video. For my waiver wire video, I do players that are rostered in 50% or fewer leagues on ESPN. For this video, I limited the criteria to uh, rostered in 20% or fewer leagues. So there is a decent chance these players are going to be available on waivers for you. There are going to be some repeats from that waiver wire video, but there are also going to be, you know, some new interesting options to kind of keep your eyes on moving forward. If you have any fantasy questions, drop them down below and let's just dive into some of these players. So we're going to start it off at the running back position. These are just ordered by their uh, roster percentages, not necessarily um, like what players I think are the best pickups. So we're going to start off with Tajay Spears, currently rostered in 17.7% of leagues on ESPN. And the really interesting thing about Tajay Spears here is that in his first three NFL games, he has outsnapped Derrick Henry in two of them. I really don't think anyone thought that was going to be possible through two weeks. Derrick Henry is known for just being this absolute workhorse. Um, Tajay Spears is 18th amongst running backs with 10 targets, which isn't crazy, but operating as the number two to be, you know, kind of middle of the pack in terms of starters, I think that's a pretty solid place to be. He's averaging five carries a game. Nothing crazy there, but still kind of notable when you're sharing a backfield with Derrick Henry. Since 2019, which is pretty much when Derrick Henry took over as like the clear workhorse, um, his lowest opportunity share over a full season was 78.5%. He had above an 80% opportunity share in 2019, 2021, and 2022. This season, he's right below 70%. So Spears really is kind of cutting into his overall share of this backfield. And at this point in the season, Tajay Spears is definitely worth rostering because at worst, he's the clear handcuff for the Titans. We really haven't seen another running back cut into Derrick Henry's workload like we have here with Tajay Spears. So if Derrick Henry were to go down, you'd have to assume that Tajay Spears would be stepping into a pretty significant workload. Who knows how this backfield kind of shakes out throughout the rest of the season, but I still think Tajay Spears is definitely worth rostering at this point. Then the next running back is going to be Kendra Miller, rostered in 16.6% of leagues. Um, he kind of had a tough break to the season. I think a lot of people thought he would have had the opportunity to kind of work into this backfield with Kamara suspended. Him and Jamal Williams could kind of be in some sort of split. Unfortunately for Kendra Miller, he misses the first two games of the season with injury, but then Jamal Williams going on IR has really kind of opened things up for Kendra Miller. I think some people think he might be kind of cooked for fantasy now because we have Alvin Kamara coming back. Obviously, that's not ideal. You'd like to have, you know, a few games where he can operate as the running back one, but I really don't think Kamara coming back like makes him unrosterable at this point. With the Saints going out this offseason, bringing in Jamal Williams, and then also drafting Kendra Miller while they had Alvin Kamara on the roster, I think it's pretty clear they don't want to give Alvin Kamara um, like this three down workhorse role. If they did, maybe they just bring in one of those guys, right? But signing Jamal Williams plus spending solid draft capital on Kendra Miller, that's probably not a move a team's going to make if they have a running back that they think can be a workhorse for them. So I do think Kendra Miller over the next few weeks has an opportunity to carve out a weekly role in this offense to get in some sort of split with Alvin Kamara and then potentially kind of earn that spot before we get Jamal Williams back. 
you're going to notice a trend here. A lot of these running backs are going to be young or just actually all the players in this video. A lot of them are going to be young. We're going to have a lot of rookies on here. So these are players that typically build throughout the season and can end up being really relevant like towards the end of the year come the fantasy playoffs. So Kendra Miller, definitely someone to keep an eye on. A player I've been talking about pretty much all offseason long, Tank Bigsby, rostered in 16.5% of leagues. To be completely honest, he hasn't been as involved as I was expecting through three weeks, but I still think he's one of like the top handcuffs and definitely one of the best handcuffs that isn't like widely rostered in most leagues. Bigsby's not going to have a ton of weekly involvement, at least this point during the season, but he has kind of worked in in the red zone so far this season. He's taken two goal line touches from Travis Etienne, so I'm guessing the Etienne owners aren't too happy about that, but that's at least something, right? They're trusting him near the goal line. At least he has that role kind of locked in here. I think a Travis Etienne injury makes Tank Bigsby very, very valuable. And if there's anything that we should have learned over the last week or two with the Nick Chubb injury, handcuffs are very, very valuable for fantasy football. Week to week, they may be doing nothing in your lineup, but whatever like wide receiver six you have sitting on your, uh, you know, the bottom of your bench, I can promise you that having a Tank Bigsby, a Kendra Miller, a Tajay Spears, those players are going to be so much more valuable because they can turn into RB2s, RB1s just based on a single injury. That wide receiver six you have on your roster probably is never going to be cracking your lineup and probably doesn't have much hope of breaking out throughout the rest of the season. So I really like these handcuff options. Now these last two players are actually rostered in less than 5% of leagues on ESPN. We're going to start it off here with Rico Dowdle. I feel like he's not like widely regarded as like a top handcuff, but when you kind of look at this Cowboys offense, this backfield, I feel like he probably should be um, through three weeks, obviously outside of Tony Pollard. Uh, Dowdle is leading the Cowboys running backs in snaps, carries, and targets, so he does seem pretty locked in as their current running back too. We've also seen the Cowboys go out and put a pretty significant amount of work on Tony Pollard. He's leading the NFL in carries and receptions, but Tony Pollard has really never handled this type of workload, not even in college. Like He never handled um, a significant workload in college, and obviously in the NFL, he's been in splits with Ezekiel Elliott, so who knows if he's able to kind of handle this throughout a full 17-game season. If Tony Pollard goes down, I don't think uh, Dowdle's going to come in and take over like his full workload, but through three weeks, this Cowboys backfield is averaging close to 30 carries a game, 29.7 carries a game, and then 7.3 targets. So there's a lot of work in this offense that could be kind of divvied up. Even if Dowdle's stepping in, taking 60% of that, I mean, 15 plus carries in this Cowboys offense, that is a very, very viable role for fantasy football. So definitely someone who may be in like deeper leagues, more competitive leagues, may be out there on waivers and is definitely worth getting picked up. And then the final running back here is going to be Keaton Mitchell. This is definitely the deepest dive in this video. He's rostered in less than 1% of leagues. Um, Keaton Mitchell is an undrafted rookie for the Ravens. He was uh, kind of impressing throughout the Ravens training camp. He ends up getting placed on IR with a shoulder injury. So he's not, you know, currently active. He's not going to go play um, in week four. And I think heading into the season, it would have been pretty tough to see Keaton Mitchell like really earn a relevant role in this offense, right? Coming in undrafted rookie, you have a competitive team. You have some running backs there that have been in the building for a while. But now with J.K. Dobbins out for the season, you have Justice Hill dealing with a toe injury. I believe Gus Edwards is currently dealing with a concussion, even though I think he's back at practice. There's just a lot of injuries that have happened to this Ravens backfield. 
And after Dobbins went down, it really just kind of felt like this backfield was all over the place. Like our Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, like these elite running backs that could hold off a potentially talented rookie. I don't think so. So I'm not saying that Keaton Mitchell is going to come in off of IR and lead this backfield, but there is a path to him getting work. And if he can just get on the field, maybe he outperforms Justice Hill. He outperforms Gus Edwards. I think if you're in like a 10 team league or even like a casual 12 team league, right, where you can kind of dominate the waiver wire and your roster is really strong, he's probably not someone you should look into picking up. Maybe just a name to kind of uh, keep an eye on. But I think in like really competitive 12 team leagues, Um, or like, you know, 14 team leagues, just normal 14 team leagues, then I think he starts to kind of become more relevant. So those are going to be the running backs. Now shifting over to five wide receivers, got to start it off here with Jamison Williams rostered in 16.1% of leagues. One interesting thing here about Jamison Williams is that a lot of these other options, you know, they may kind of come up towards the top of like the projected points, um, like week by week when you're looking at the waiver wire. For Jamison Williams, since he's suspended, he's probably going to be buried, right? Because he's not projected any points. So he could be sitting there um, and people just don't even know that is a possibility. But behind Amon Ra in this Lions wide receiver room, it is completely wide open. Um, Through three weeks, the best wide receiver behind Amon Ra has actually averaged 15 PPR points per game. So it could definitely be a valuable role in this Lions offense. And I understand Jamison Williams' run with the Lions hasn't exactly been ideal. You know, he's coming off the ACL. He barely plays in the 2022 season. When he does play, he's really not a factor, doesn't play a ton. And even when he's in there, like, didn't do anything crazy. I think he had like one long touchdown and that was pretty much it in the 2022 season. His reports out of camp also haven't been great. And then he gets hit with the six game suspension for uh, gambling in the building or, you know, sports betting in the building, whatever it was. So it definitely hasn't been smooth sailing for Jamison Williams, but I don't think we can deny the talent. And there's really not like a clear cut wide receiver two for the Lions where you're like, okay, that guy's going to hold off Jamison Williams. Maybe he comes in after the suspension, can't get his footing, and that's what it is. Like That could happen. That's definitely a possibility, but it's also possible he works into that wide receiver two role, playing behind Amon Ross St. Brown, and ends up being very, very relevant for fantasy football. So definitely someone who I think should have that roster percentage bumped up a lot. Now we're going to be shifting into some rookies, starting it off here with Marvin Mims, rostered in 12.8% of leagues. This has been an incredibly encouraging start to the season production-wise for Marvin Mims. Um, on the other side of it, his usage has been pretty disappointing and honestly kind of puzzling through three weeks with how well he's performed. In week two, he only ran six routes, but caught two passes for 113 yards and a touchdown. So he made the most of his opportunities in week two, you know, is making big plays. You would think, you know, he's probably gonna have a much larger role heading into week three. And I guess his routes were bumped. He went from six to 11 in week three. He was targeted five times on 11 routes, which is a very impressive target rate three receptions for 73 yards. And then he also returned a kickoff for a touchdown. So through three weeks, he has shown that he is just a big play waiting to happen. And it's just really hard to see Sean Payton not giving Marvin Mims more opportunities going forward. This Broncos offense is definitely better than last season. It's not like they're going to be some sort of elite offense, but last year it was really tough to get anything out of those weapons. I think they're improved this season. He could work his way into three wide receiver sets. Um, you know, maybe Judy goes down, Cortland Sutton goes down, and then you could see his opportunity really spike in this offense. But just kind of like I talked about at the top, these rookies, specifically rookie wide receivers, these are players that can definitely break out down the stretch. And if they're talented enough, they will find a way to get onto the field and produce for you. 
Moving over to another rookie wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo, rostered in 11% of leagues. And uh, he's kind of in a different boat than Marvin Mims here. To be totally honest, I didn't like him as much as a prospect, but he got much better draft capital, and he stepped into a starting role from week one. So Marvin Mims is kind of having to earn that role. Jonathan Mingo started out as a wide receiver or starting wide receiver for the Panthers. He had a 97% route participation in both week one and week two. That's incredibly strong. He ends up leaving week three with a concussion. So obviously his route participation um, suffered in that one. And he really hasn't put up great production through three games. He hasn't done a ton, but in the first two weeks, he commanded 13 targets. That's solid volume, you know, in your first two NFL games. And then in week three, even though he only ran 15 routes, he commanded six targets on those 15 routes, which is also pretty impressive. He's being used down the field. He has four deep targets through like two and a half games, two and a third games. And then he's sixth in uh, most unrealized air yards, which pretty much means he's being used down the field, but him and the quarterback are not connecting. So as Bryce Young starts to get more comfortable, as Mingo starts to get more comfortable in this offense, I do think he could start to be relevant for fantasy later on in the season. And really half the battle for these rookies is just getting on the field and getting in a position to ball out. Mingo's already done that. So now it just comes down to, is he talented enough to take advantage of it? That still remains to be seen, but he's you know done half of it by just getting out there, getting those opportunities to run routes and put up production. Now shifting over to another rookie wide receiver, we're going to have Rasheed Rice rostered in 8.9% of leagues. And he may be my... Uh, you know, favorite kind of pickup here out of these deep dive wide receivers. His raw participation jumped over 50% in week three. His usage in week two was pretty underwhelming, but it's nice to see he kind of recovers here heading into week three. I've talked about this a lot, but this Chiefs wide receiver room is just completely wide open. You got Sky Moore, Justin Watson, MVS. Um, you got Kadarius Tony thrown in there. You have Ross. There's just a lot of guys and none of them have really kind of stamped their spot as like, the number one weapon, the number two target. I feel like of all the guys in that wide receiver room, I think we kind of know what we're dealing with with most of them. I feel like Rice is like the real upside wild card here because he's a rookie. Um, and through three games, he's been pretty encouraging. He's been targeted 14 times on 38 routes. So that 14 target number is fine, you know, like just under five targets a game but his target rate is very impressive. A 37% target rate is fantastic. It's actually fourth in the NFL right now. So when he is on the field getting his opportunities, he is making the most of it. If he can keep building on his role, I really wouldn't be shocked if he was like a startable option, Chiefs wide receiver one in the back half of the season. That is definitely in the range of outcomes here um, for Rasheed Rice. And then the final wide receiver we have here, another rookie, it's going to be Josh Downs, rostered in 6.8% of leagues. I was a huge fan of Josh Downs as a prospect. Um, thought he slipped in the draft. I thought he'd be more of a round two guy. He ends up falling to round three, but he has been very impressive through three weeks. He's not the biggest dude, but he just flat out produces. Um, he's operating as the clear starter for the Colts out of the slot. He has an 88% raw participation through three weeks, which is really strong. He has the second most slot snaps in the NFL, so he's really just kind of locked down that spot there for the Colts. And he's commanded 24 targets through three weeks and has a 21% target share. As a rookie wide receiver in his first three games, those are fantastic numbers. I think he could definitely turn into like a viable flex option in PPR leagues throughout the season if he keeps building on this. Once you have the bye weeks, you have some more injuries coming in. 
I think he's worth rostering. When these rookie wide receivers start to show some flashes, you want to just go out, lock him down on your roster. So uh, I think Josh Downs kind of fits the mold there. So that's going to pretty much wrap it up for some of these deeper dives. As you can tell, a lot of rookies in this video, and even the guys who aren't rookies, they're you know pretty much younger options. Typically, those are the type of players you want to go after. Some of your league mates may not be super familiar with them. And then when you have those veterans on the waiver wire, they're probably there for a reason, right? Like if a player has played three, four, five, six seasons, you pretty much know where you're going to be getting out of them. These rookies, these second year players, they're more wild cards. You don't know exactly what they're going to bring to the table. So they may, you know, end up providing nothing, but they could also end up booming in the second half of the season and end up being potential league winners for you or pieces that really just kind of carry you to the championship. So like I said, you know, keep an eye on these players, maybe pick them up if you have uh, some droppable options. So like I said, you know, keep an eye on these players, maybe pick them up if you have uh, some droppable options. But that is going to wrap it up for this one. If you enjoyed the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Thank you all for tuning in and I will see you in the next one.